Hello everyone and welcome to That Was Genius. This is a funny history podcast by Tom Berry and Sam Datter, exploring little-known stories and corners of the past. We'll get to the history shortly, but first, a couple of minutes of what we ominously call, quote, witty banter, highlights of our pre-recording chat, which usually ends up being mostly toilet humour. See if it's virulent enough to give me COVID over the phone. <laughs> <laughs> you know initially, initially, I thought you said virile enough. <clears throat> I was thinking that's not, uh, that's not woof. that's not how COVID spreads, as far as I know. <laughs> what, a lovely, what a lovely way of ending a sexual encounter with a cough in the face. <laughs> Something about careless whisper, as George Michael once sang. <laughs> careless, 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 careless cough. flob. Yeah, <laughs> careless flob. Marvellous. That'd be a good children's TV character, the careless flob. <laughs> careless flob. flob a dobble 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 dobble. Whoops. Oh, no, I've left my keys at home. <laughs> I've just had a major car accident whilst not wearing my seatbelt. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> flop, flop, flop. Lucky I'm only made of flop. Yes. Flop, 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 flop. Unfortunately, the family of four in the car opposite were... Yes. They were made of flesh, flesh, teary flesh. <laughs> that was a dark start to the episode, wasn't it? Wow. And and hopefully straight in, no <laughs> fucking around looking for something Boom. funny this time. <laughs> oh shit! I didn't record it. No, I did. Dark, a dark start. Uh, anyway, how are you? I'm I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. Good. I'm doing well. I'm actually standing for the first time, not for the first time ever. Standing, I've stood before. So it's a, it's a major developmental milestone for you. <laughs> My physiotherapists were delighted. <laughs> it's a miracle. Um, <laughs> we thought you'd after the accident with Mr. Flop. Yes. We, <laughs> we, you weren't badly and you're just enormously lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, no, I, I'm, I'm actually standing to record this. Really? Are you hoping that it will give your yeah. voice more range and reach and be more sonorous? And Yeah, well, I mean, I don't sit when I'm doing my orchestral numbers at the, at the theatre. <laughs> no, you're usually sat in the theatre toilets. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's you. Figaro, Figaro, Figaro. Mascarpone. <laughs> no fucking idea why it's no, in Neither do I. But, but I like it. It'll make the cut. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm... So I'm standing. <laughs> I've just been getting terrible tension headaches oh. all through the lockdown, and I've decided it's because I'm sitting around too much. I'm not actually getting up, so I'm trying to stand at my desk. Fair um, enough. I'm that sort of guy, Sam. I'm a go-getter. You're a stander now. So our dining room looks a little bit like an architect's studio. You know, open plan, standing desks. You can sort of just walk around, speak to some clients, play a bit of pool, come back to the desk. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Nice. Have you got an erotic statue somewhere? To give it the true impression of an architect's yes, office. The- <laughs> I say an erotic statue, I've got a nude. I've got a photo of myself nude. <laughs> exactly. I've got... Well, I just had to buy one after they modelled their dildos on me. <laughs> yes, I got given... You know? I got given the dildos. <laughs> it's not even a dick, it's just a rubber, a rubber flexible you. <laughs> With my, we're sticking my big nose yeah. guns in particular. Yeah, useful. It does indeed. Battery operated, <laughs> rotates, <laughs> spins around, twiddling nose. <laughs> I call it the twiddly conk, <laughs> just to give the extra, the additional cavity pleasure. Okay. Oh, 
cavity pleasure. Yeah. Yes, that was one of the finest Agatha Christine mo- novels. There's nothing quite like erotic dentistry. <laughs> Mills and Tooth. Does that work? No. <laughs> Drills and Boone. Yeah, there that you go. Worked. <laughs> Drills and Boone. Hello and welcome to That Was Genius, the slightly surreal podcast. Uh, who knows which bit's going to make the cold intro? Will it be the massacred family in a horrible car accident? Will it be Tom <laughs> parping, parping Mascarpone? <laughs> or, or will it be your oral pleasuring? Who knows? With a little history podcast in which Tom, who's over there and clearly in a slightly Hello. funny mood, and Sam, who's over here and has just started on the whiskey, so we'll get there, don't worry, audience, discuss history stories on a theme each week. <laughs> We decide the theme the week in advance, but everything else that happens is a surprise. And what is the theme this week, Tom? The theme this week is failed despots slash tyrants. It is. Despots slash tyrants. Basically the same thing. How did you find it? Well, actually, I know how you found it, because you picked your topic... Do that that without burping. You did your topic straight off the bat. I just did a burp at the same time. Oh. Wow. That, that, this, that shows we've got good rapport. It does. Well, I was going to say, this is, this is the, the, masculine version, <laughs> the masculine version of sinking in our cycles. Sinking in puffs. Yeah. Incidentally, just can you hear me nicely over there? Because I've got my microphone probably a little bit further away from me. Than I you. can hear you fine. <laughs> nothing, nothing stops the flow of a good podcast quite like one of us asking whether they're <laughs> Doing a mic check. Yeah. <laughs> can you hear me? How anyway. about now? <laughs> Can you hear me? <laughs> it's a very good Adele impression there. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Can you hear me? <laughs> I've been walking through a tunnel. <laughs> and the reception's pretty shit. <laughs> Hello. It's windy. <laughs> Sorry if there's an echo. I'm in the toilets having a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Hello from the urinal. <laughs> Can you hear the chain pull? Shut up from the other side. <laughs> I'm trying to have a quick shite. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just <laughs> For all the smells that I've done, have you got a lighter? <laughs> Get rid of the pong anymore. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, if you're listening, Adele, huge fans, <laughs> and I know you are. <laughs> Marvellous. She's sort of the earth type, isn't she? She'd listen to this. <laughs> Salt of the earth. That's another way of saying racist, isn't it? <laughs> Adele's not racist, by the way, but anyone who calls themselves <laughs> Salt of the earth is. <laughs> I'm singing whilst I have a wee. Don't really trust the Chinese. I'm not racist, but I'm just salt of the earth. Common sense. <laughs> My common sense. That's a cracking excuse, isn't it, for racism? Just common just sense. Just common sense, isn't it? <laughs> bloody common sense. No, that's not justifying your views. Anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's so despots. It's, yeah, it's failed, failed despots, that's right. Yeah, marvellous. <sighs> marvellous. How have you found this one? I found it very good, Sam, although I was a little bit disappointed, or I have been for quite a while now, that we haven't really been getting any uh, people wanting to do adverts with us. Oh, have we made much revenue? Uh, perilously little, Tom. It's been a lean Christmas in the uh, in the data household. <laughs> I know. So, well, nobody nobody seems to want to do adverts on our podcast. So no. I've decided... <laughs> can't, think, can't think why. 
I know. I can't either. I mean, listen to this. The star. This is brilliant. <laughs> I'm just. So I thought what we could do is I would see if any advertising agencies uh, want our help. Oh, well, very so good. If we could create adverts for people. Um, yes. So slightly different approach. So first of all, I think we just need to be able to show people what we can do, so we can sort of put some tidbits out. And I've got one for you here. Okay. <clears throat> it's, it's a song. It's a song because it's obviously going to be a podcast-based advert. Yes. <clears throat> When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go to Barry's Biscuit Emporium. When you've got worries, hobnobs and Garibaldi seem to help, I know. Barry's Biscuit Emporium. Very good. Things will be great when you're at Barry's Biscuit Emporium. They find it. Anyway, how, what do you think? Uh, it's got something. <laughs> and that's something it's got, Tom. It's edited out. <laughs> <laughs> Or at least drastically slow, drastically shortened. <laughs> yeah, we'll release that as a special on its own. <laughs> Part of the DVD. It could be an Easter egg. Oh, yeah, the director's really, cut. Really, really well-hidden Easter egg. <laughs> so well-hidden. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I did find this week quite good. Last week I talked about a Frenchman who farted for a living, and I went away from that recording feeling like I'd hit an all-time low in terms of historical content. Um, I mean, it was historical, but it was completely unrelated to anything of any historical significance. So there weren't any brief digressions into any areas of history that might make you sound intelligent in a pub. Hmm. And I did mention this last week. I can't remember if it made a cut. This week, I decided I'd go for Plato. Ooh. Exceptionally historically significant, very well known. Yes, but lovely. But also something I doubt many of our listeners will really know too much about. I certainly Yeah, do. because who's actually read it? <laughs> How about you? I've, ju- I've How did you- just done a Mad King. There were plenty to choose from. I found a pretty good one. Excellent. Yes. They're despotic, aren't they? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, the definition of a despot is any unelected ruler with total power. So mm. king, kings, emperors, they count. Interestingly, both the words tyrant and despot have ancient Greek origins. Do they? A very simple fact that says a lot about the remarkable influence of ancient Greek political philosophy on modern politics. In political philosophy really? or modern politics, indeed. Political, political philosophy. Marvellous. Very interesting. Uh, it's also a testament to how poorly Greek democracy functioned that they needed words like tyrant and <laughs> despot. <laughs> yeah, they've got, got two words for tyrant and one word for democracy. Indeed. Uh, well, I suppose you've got republic as well, don't you? Well, interestingly, sort of I'll give you a little bit of a tidbit as it's come up. Um, it, the, the title Republic given to Plato's famous work, most famous work, is actually a rather unhelpful translation because the word has such strong connotations to modern political entities. Um, It's more helpful to think of the Republic as being called the state or the society. Uh, Plato's the society. Interesting. The state. Thanks, Tom. Pleasure, as always. (laughs) The pleasure, as always, is yours. Speaking of starting off, I think it's my turn this week. Go for it. Today I've got a failed despot in the sense that he was so bloody useless for most of his reign... Uh, that barely anything happened. Uh, in fact, he was so bloody useless, he actually created an imaginary friend who stood in for him <laughs> at quite a lot of his uh, imperial meetings. His imaginary friend obviously didn't bother turning up either, <laughs> but at least he had an excuse. <laughs> was it a flob? It wasn't flob, no. Flob was busy uh, drink-driving his way around the countryside. 
This is a story made doubly fun by the fact that as well as spending half his reign unofficially on strike in protest at the inefficiency of his government, this is a leader who was stark raving mad, had a penchant for shaming his nobles, and when he occasionally did turn up to but eat... Shave, shaving his balls? Shaving his... Sh- shaving... the shave, shave, There's a par chance for shaving his balls. Shaming his nobles. <laughs> oh, OK. Well, I'm fairly sure that is Cockney rhyming slang. As opposed to shaving his nobles, which is, uh, which is in fact creating a unit. That's castrations, yes. <laughs> So when he occasionally did turn up to work, he made such uninformed, extreme and balmy policy choices that some of them actually worked really well. <laughs> so anyway, today I'm going to be talking, Tom, about Zhu Huzhao, the Zengdi Emperor, uh, who was the 11th Emperor of the Ming Dynasty. The ugly bastard reigned from 1505 to 1521. Uh, smelly, ugly, <laughs> smelly... vase-loving <laughs> yeah. twat. Yeah. Yeah, had a face like a vase. <laughs> Oddly round with giant jug ears. Essentially like a like a Chinese a Prince pot. Charles. Yeah. Giant Prince Charles piss pot. The piss pot despot, they used to call him. They did indeed, yeah. Uh so yeah, the ugly bastard reigned from fifteen oh five to fifteen twenty one before dying in a drunken rowboat accident. With flop. <laughs> with, with flop. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> ah, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna force you to keep him in the cut. <laughs> Fine. Just know that now your fascinating story about farting in a toilet at the opera house doesn't make it. <laughs> yes, it will. <laughs> <laughs> so Zhu became emperor at 14 years old uh, after his dad died as is usually the way with these things, and having been pretty impressive and actually very scholarly all through his education, it was widely expected that he would be a damn good emperor, Tom. Uh, Unfortunately, being good at school didn't mean he was cut out for life as a politician, and he pretty quickly made it very clear that he had absolutely fuck-all interest in anything as trifling as running China. Instead, he set about just having as much fun as he possibly could, as any 14-year-old given the keys to a a giant kingdom would, uh, never bothered showing up to any kind of meeting, making any decisions he actually physically had to on the fly without really consulting anyone qualified to do the job. He even, as I've mentioned from 1517, had a deputy alter ego named Zhu Xu, who also didn't huh. turn up to meetings in his place to deflect some of the blame. <laughs> so, so Zhu de- Xu? Yes. What was his name? Zhu Hu Zhao. Zhu Hao Zhao. Zhu Hao Zhao and Zhu Xu. Yeah, there's a lot of Zhu's going on. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think it means prince. Or, uh, okay. or high, holy. Or the artist formerly known as... Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> and Zhu Shu, by the way, is a tiger's cage made of profiteroles. That's about to say, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you're young and you're a useless emperor who doesn't like to turn up to work, Tom. What, what are you doing instead? How are you having fun? Well, there were uh, two... Th- panda parties. Pretty close. <laughs> There were two things in life that uh, the young zoo really liked, like most arm 40- wrestling <laughs> and skeletrics. Yeah, oh, yeah. Do you know what? I've actually got skeletrics written in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Great minds. Great minds. Yes, like like most fourteen-year-old boys, <laughs> he liked girls and exotic creatures and Top Gear and football and skeletrics and frubes and baby bell and drawing willies in the palace toilets. Ah, uh, good times. <laughs> But uh, whilst most boys his age would have been content with a poster of a tiger on their wall and maybe a copy of their older brother's discarded lads' magazines <laughs> under the uh, under the bed for, for the ladies' parts of it, when you're a Chinese emperor, you can do things very much your own way. And uh, what could be more fun, Tom, than creating your very own zoo-slash-brothels? <laughs> right. He spent months at a time creating so-called... Just clarifying, the zoo is spelt Z-H-O-U in this instance, 
and not Z-O-O. It's not, it's not an animal brothel, is it? Uh, no, it's Z-O-O slash brothels. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. so it is, an, it is an exotic animal brothel. Okay. Yes, yes, it is. Yes. Uh, they were called Bang... Oh, they were called Baofang, or Leopard's Chambers. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't and, choose the leopard. Well, I, 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 I know. This is the I'd thing. go for the sloth, just to start <laughs> off with. Well, Tom, it's a game of Russian roulette. <laughs> you pay, he pays your money, you picks a door, and whether you get an exotic animal or a prostitute really is really is down to fate. Doesn't make any difference. They smell the same. <laughs> yeah. One way or another, the dick's going in. <laughs> <laughs> Every door's got a growler. <laughs> <laughs> Marvelous. So uh, yes, it did lead to some, something of an element of jeopardy picking uh, picking your door in the Belfang. <laughs> Imagine that on six o'clock on a Saturday afternoon on TV. Yeah, <laughs> zoo fuck jeopardy. Yeah. Indeed, it's an odd game of blind date, isn't it? <laughs> Horny punter number one, you pick door number three. You've already paid, so you get to shag whatever's on the other side. Oh, please be a woman! Please be a woman! Please be a woman! Congratulations! Surprise, surprise. It's an emu. <laughs> Punter number two, you picked door number four and you said you'd like to find something hairy and have feces hurled at you. It's Rod Hull. Yes. <laughs> Congratulations, you got 1980s East German shot putter Olga. <laughs> Get in. Uh, so, it was where she was born. <laughs> In reality, the prostitutes and the animals were kept vaguely separated for, for health and safety reasons. Zoo did, during one drunken night at one of these places, get mauled by a tiger. <laughs> were these just his favourite things? Did he just like prostitutes and animals and he decided, let's put them together? These are a few of my favourite things. Hookers <laughs> <laughs> and pandas. Hookers <laughs> and pandas and small salamanders. <laughs> Hussies and horses. No jobs then. Um. Tortoises. Hey. Anything's game when you're ruling the Ming. Putting my penis in favourite things. When the dog barks. When the cat meows. When the whores asleep. Around my Baofang, the Emperor will fuck everything. <laughs> no. Starting no. with Doe, a deer, a very, very deer. <laughs> Ray, a strange sea creature. <laughs> B, a very small vagina. Llama, a long, long way to go. So, do you come here very often? <laughs> <laughs> and we all caught crabs from dough. <laughs> oh dear me. <sighs> Marvellous. <laughs> Uh, so yes, Mazu did get mauled by a tiger at one point when he got the he got a bit confused, crossed the streams, and uh, and so wasn't able to turn up to the meetings that he wasn't planning on turning up to for several months whilst he recovered. Not content with collecting women for the Bao Fang, which by the way he just had hidden around the suburbs of Beijing. Oh what? <laughs> yeah, they were just like just in houses, just Hid what hidden zoo pro brothels. Yeah. Mm, okay. It's uh, it's going to be a. a 
odd one for the milkman, isn't it? Just <laughs> <laughs> knocks on the door and the, t- the tiger opens it. And the tiger comes to tea. <laughs> yeah. So he has not content with just collecting women at the Bao Fang. He uh, spent his time collecting beautiful women as his concubines. Nothing particularly unusual, unusual there. It was very common for Chinese emperors to do this. But he packed the palace absolutely full of them. And as was usual with the concubines, they were, they were locked away. So you know, there was no risk of them finding their way into the hands of other courtiers. Unfortunately, he kind of forgot <laughs> that he had dozens of women locked away around the palace. Right. And uh, uh, most of them starved to death after he forgot to order them any food or told anyone that they were there. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes, so he just had uh, large apartments full of, <laughs> of dead, beautiful women around the place because he collected them and then forgot about them. He needs a PA. Uh, not very I think nice. He needs a PA. <laughs> He does. He needs some kind of secretary. Yeah, a concubine secretary. Uh, So as well as collecting exotic animals and exotic and uh, fairly quickly dead women, he also liked to make believe and liked to spend time forcing his noblemen, soldiers and courtiers to dress up as merchants (laughs) and market shoppers. (laughs) (laughs) Not for more Aladdin than Peter Pan, but but, but yes, essentially, yeah. Uh, He had large parts of the palace decked out like a market. Including spreading shit over the floors, animal shit, and made all of his courtiers barter around. (laughs) And uh, made all of his courtiers barter with him for goods. Anyone who didn't play along convincingly enough was killed or banished. (laughs) No, 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 Lord Tang. (laughs) You wish to buy a belt, okay? I want no. I want to buy a belt. You have to sell me a belt. Sell me this belt, Lord Tang. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very, it's a, it's a very fine belt, sire. Is that the voice of a market trader? No, Cockney. <laughs> I want to see you do Cockney. <laughs> Chinese. This is very difficult for me, sir. Cockney. What <laughs> <sighs> oh, geese want to buy a belt? Hey, step in time. Step in time. <laughs> Who will buy my beautiful roses? Louder! I'm not convinced I want to buy some roses yet. And if I'm not interested, prices won't be the only thing getting slashed around here. <laughs> I'm sure it's a couple of eunuchs, Lord Tang. Now, Take him away and shove the roses up his ass. <laughs> yes. Now, sing, Lord Tang, sing. Make me want your beautiful roses. <laughs> <laughs> Who will buy this wonderful morning? Such a sky you never did see. Louder! Who will tie it up with a ribbon? And please don't lock my head off me. <laughs> now, sir, will you buy a rose for your concubines? Concubines? I don't have any concub... Oh, oh bollocks. <laughs> God, I knew there was something I'd forgotten. <laughs> Would you like to buy a diary, sir? Now's not the time for the roleplay, OK? <laughs> no, now is the time for being deadly serious. <laughs> So there were a few matters of state that Zhu did actually care about. Uh, Notably, he was very, very fond of a fight. Uh, Loved fighting off filthy rebels and dirty foreigners. In 1517, he left the palace to personally lead a campaign against a massive marauding Mongol horde led by a guy called the Dayan Khan, and was so successful that the Mongols were pushed out of Chinese territory for years afterwards. He was actually, you know, a fucking awful emperor, but a a very good general. Uh, He also put down a number of rebellions, including heading to the south to uh, Zhangzi in 1519 to defeat the so-called Prince of Ning Rebellion, led by another Zhu, a guy called Zhu Chenhao. Uh, Now, Zhu Chenhao had actually been in practical rebellion for about the last five years. He'd been issuing edicts, taxing local peoples, 
having ambassadors around for tea, um, all whilst declaring the Zengdi emperor illegitimate. None of which, none of which the Zengdi emperor gave a toss about or had any intention of taking action on until Zhu actually raised an army and started looking for a fight, at which point he rushed down as quickly as he possibly could. I love to a take fight. him on. I love a fight. I love a fight. <laughs> I love you. I love all your bastards. Bungle! <laughs> Everyone in. Pile up. <laughs> Pile on, Zhu Shenhao. <laughs> Jump on his testicles. <laughs> Unfortunately, by the time he actually arrived, the rebellion had already been put down by local nobles. The emperor was so infuriated by this, he tried very, very hard to have Zhu Shenhao released <laughs> so that he could put his army back together and fight the emperor like a man. <laughs> unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, Zhu Shenhao committed suicide before they could release him. <laughs> uh, and finally, and actually the, the, the ones he really took a, took a disliking to in one of his few moments of action with the Portuguese, who got a particularly bad time with, uh, with Zhu Huzhou. After initially welcoming the uh, so-called Falanki, or Franks, the, the emperor was infuriated when they then attacked some of his allies in Malacca, which is in modern-day Malaysia. And in response, Zhu imprisoned and tortured many of the Portuguese in Ming territory, including the Portuguese ambassador. And he tortured him into ordering a Portuguese withdrawal from Malacca. And once Zhu had confirmation this had been done... And this is where it gets a bit unpleasant and shows the Emperor's bonkers side a little bit and just why he didn't cross him. He had the ambassador cut up alive and the first thing that was done to him was to cut off his cock and balls and stuff them down his throat. Nice. Yeah. I did what you told me. <laughs> Seems a little ungrateful, really, doesn't it? Yeah. And when more and more Portuguese turned up to illicitly trade or, or raid China, uh, Zhu ordered them dismembered and then ordered that the surviving Portuguese prisoners be forced to wear the dicks of their comrades as clothes. <laughs> As clothes? As clothes. You shall wear this cloak of dicks <laughs> to show what a dick you are. <laughs> oh, God. And uh, made them dance around in public for the amusement of the masses. So basically turned them into a travelling freak show. I These poor dick dancer. Portuguese, Portuguese prisoners covered in dicks, yeah. Hmm, OK, that's quite imaginative. <laughs> yes, it is, isn't it? <laughs> so when it came to things he cared about, he was, he was a man of action. But was he all bad and mad, Tom? Well... Possibly not, because he did open up a lot of trade with China and the Muslim world. Uh, it was the first time this had really been done, and he, he was fascinated by the Muslim world, especially the women and the eunuchs, many of whom he imported to join his court. And, forgot about. And I forgot, probably forgot about. <laughs> he also, because he cared so little about the job, when he did have to make decisions, made snap decisions, which sometimes actually worked very well. There was a spate of rumoured Ripper attacks by evil spirits. R Ripper attacks. Which uh, plagued Beijing a short while into his reign. Ripper attack. So yes, apparently women were being uh, were being murdered and tortured in the streets of Beijing at night by evil spirits. Okay, it and wasn't like a passing fart. No, <laughs> no, or a very good Aussie bloke. <laughs> Good eye, mate. Would you like, would you like a hand with that? <laughs> yes. Looks like you're trying to commit a murdery wordery. <laughs> two hands, two, two hands to strangle is better than one. <laughs> Let me give you a hand with that. You call that a knife. You're going to need something bigger than <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> now, young lady, you just lie there. <laughs> we'll get this over in a jiffy. Uh, so, yes, there was a space of rumoured ripper attacks by evil spirits which plagued Beijing, uh, to which he simply decreed that anyone found guilty of trying to scare anyone else <laughs> was to be fined. <laughs> uh, amazingly, within days of ghost stories therefore being banned, the ghosts vanished. <laughs> so, his, his decree was basically stop this bullshit. <laughs> And lo, the bullshit was stopped. <laughs> uh, 
Um, it's also thought today by revisionist historians that actually he wasn't that useful. The whole act, uh, he wasn't that unkeen on the job, sorry. And the whole act was basically a protest by the emperor against palace politics. He's basically saying that if you lot can't get your house in order, I refuse to rule it. And then the whole government system will grind to a halt. Which it did, and again, sort of worked, because without government interference, uh, the economy actually grew really pretty well under his complete lack of action. <laughs> uh, one thing he did do, which did uh, ruffle some feathers, was because he was such a fan of Islam, he did ban pork, uh, which absolutely ruined Chinese agriculture for several years. Apart from in the brothels. Apart from in the brothels, yeah, eating pork. Yeah. But pork, Tom, can still eat you. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, that's that's basically how he spent his reign until uh, until the age of thirty-one, when he fell off a boat whilst drunk, got fatally ill from the canal water, and died a few months later in fifteen twenty-one. So there you go, Tom, a particularly useless Chinese emperor who just liked to annoy people. Wonderful, the Zengdi Emperor, and, and wonderfully wonderfully brief, really. I'm <laughs> <laughs> full of goodness. <laughs> Marvelous. Yes. Well, I suppose it's over to me, isn't it? Um, yes, I mentioned at the start I went for Plato this week. I hadn't ever read The Republic before, even though it's incredibly famous. And so I quite enjoyed reading a few chapters. I didn't have enough time to read it all. It's reasonably long. Uh, but when I read it, cool, blimey, is it relevant to what's currently going on in the USA at the moment? Is it? And Sam and I, we prefer not to be topical listeners, largely for practice. Because, it's a, because it's a history podcast. <laughs> yeah, and topical content doesn't age too well, does it, really? No, it does not. Um, so if someone is listening to this on Mars in the year 2237 in their Cyber Audio Giggleplex colonic fusion booth, we are, <laughs> we are recording a few weeks after President Donald Trump... Oh, I could, do with a col- I could do with a colonic fusion booth. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't been invented yet, Sam. They got invented. That's <laughs> oh, the name of my techno band. <laughs> Aha, oh. <laughs> so yes, Trump encouraged his most extreme supporters to storm the Capitol building because he is an unscrupulous, egocentric, morally bankrupt wannabe despot. He was impeached yesterday, wasn't he? Yes, he was impeached for the second time yesterday, absolutely. Interestingly, he looks a little bit like Babe the Pig after her career went downhill and she had a mental breakdown and ended up selling her arsehole to eat and educated British MPs in Soho back alleys. <laughs> and to Chinese emperors. In <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Plato's Republic. And more specifically, book eight, <clears throat> entitled Imperfect Societies. And uh, in chapter eight... The, the chapter, the passage regarding tyranny. So uh, here Plato um, comments on the tyrant, but before I begin referring directly to the source, I'd like to do some, some background work just to set the scene for everyone. Go on then. We can't really talk about Plato and the Republic without talking about the Peloponnesian War first. Oddly, I don't think we've ever talked about the Peloponnesian War. In we haven't, no. any of our almost 100 episodes. Yes. Um, so here goes. After the Persians invaded the Greek mainland twice, so I think Battle of Thermopylae, where 300 Spartans famously defended a narrow pass with, brackets, Thespians, Helots and Thebans, it's worth pointing out. Are the bloody actors. Actually, you know, we have, we have talked about this before because we talked about the Thespians. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that- <laughs> Oh, I die. I die. <laughs> But that wasn't the Peloponnesian War, remember? That was the um, that was the war. That was the, that was yes. Yeah, Battle of Marathon as well comes from this time. That's poor old Pheidippides and his horrendous joggers' nipples after running all the way back to Athens to declare that the Athenians had won. And um, after two failed invasions by the Persians, the Greeks decided that they were stronger together. So in the next forty to fifty years, the Athenians became the dominant power in what was called the Delian League, named after their favourite celebrity chef. Yes. <laughs> 
Was the person who formed this league, the uh, the ambassador who really kind of forged it and brought them all together, was he the Delian Smith? Yes. Yeah, I see. Yeah, see what you did there. <laughs> there were some other names that were considered. The Ramsey Ring, the Band of Blumenthal, they were also considered as names for this League of <laughs> City States. So Athens led the Delian League and had the other member states pay for their protection. The money went largely towards the Athenian navy, which was much stronger than the Spartan navy. The Spartans had dominance on land, the Athenians had dominance at sea. Spartan navy was, uh, frankly, Spartan. Yes, Spartan, absolutely. And those uh, Tartan Spartan, they they used to like having (laughs) crisscrossed patterns all over their boats. The Tartan Spartans... (laughs) And uh, after eating plenty of sprouts, they were the Fartan Spartans. The Fartan Tartan Spartans? Yes. Have we done this before as well? (laughs) (laughs) And they arrived in horse-drawn carriages. They were the Carton Fartan Tartan Spartans. (laughs) No, we've done something similar. (laughs) And uh, yes, and also occasionally they would spread their legs and show the tackle. They were the parting parting carting (laughs) Fartan Tartan Spartans. Some of them were were actually very loose with their sexual behaviour. They were the tartan parting arm lost. Um, <laughs> the tartan parting carting farting. Spartans. <laughs> Spartans. Anyway. They could run um, really quickly, Tom. They were the darting... No, stop. <laughs> oh, no, stop. Enough of this. Enough of this. Um, so the Spartans didn't like the Athenians being so high and mighty, so they decided that war was the answer, a decision that Edwin Starr would strongly object to. Huh. So between 431 BC and 404... Oh, is this war? What is it good for? Yeah, that's right. Is that right? Uh, okay. <laughs> so between... Sorry, it took me a, mo- took me a moment. <laughs> it's all right. So between 431 BC and 404 BC, the Spartans and the Athenians were at war. It was a war that the Spartans eventually won. Okay. So let's talk Plato. A chat-up line that I wouldn't recommend. <laughs> Plato was born... Talk Plato to me. <laughs> By Jason Derula. Has he got a song called Plato, has he? No, he did uh, Talk Dirty to Me by Jason Derulo, but we're talking about Plato's The Republic, so uh, it's oh, Jason Derulo, as in Derulo. Oh, it's a thinking too, joke, Tom. It's a thinking far joke. Too current, far too current for me to know that. Yeah, so Plato was born 427 BC, so very close to the start of the Peloponnesian War. Pericles, the famous Athenian statesman, otherwise known when as... The, uh, Sp- when the Spartans started it, the Spartan Spartans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, Pericles, so the famous Athenian statesman had died a few years before. So we have a recent loss of a very successful leader in Pericles, who had been at the forefront of Athenian politics for, I think, about 30 years. We also have the war and all the stresses on society that come with it. This leads to political tension. Initially, Democrats are dominant. Then in 411 BC, Athens becomes an oligarchy ruled by the Council of 400. A year later, this became the government of 5,000. These revolutions came from the fact that many people um, resented the fact that there were so many people allowed to have a say in Athenian politics because this was really much more democratic than modern democracies particularly people who were deemed to not really know much about politics for example Athens relied heavily on its navy as I mentioned earlier so the oarsmen of the boats became citizens and were allowed to vote this upset the career politicians who thought that their opinions were weightier anyway after a couple of years of trying to work out an oligarchic system Athens returned to democracy but with a horrible period of six years where the democrats took their revenge on the oligarchs um, and there was a bit of a purge. After the defeat of the Spartans, a commission of 30 men was set up, supposedly to create a new constitution, but these tyrants kept hold of power. Within a year, they were booted out violently, 
and there was yet more witch hunting and poor old Socrates, the first of the great Athenian Democracy philosophers. doesn't sound like a great idea when you put it in the context. <laughs> well, no, and, and particularly when you when you hear Plato's explanation of what inevitably happens to democracy, which is fascinating. So poor old Socrates was killed during this time. Plato being the second of the great Athenian philosophers and Aristotle being the third. He's the chap that educated Alexander the Great. There you go. Fuck me, that's more content than we've had in about three weeks. In one foul and swoop. breathe. <laughs> in one big mouth. That's more history than we had in 100 episodes. <laughs> so at this point, Plato was old enough to get started in politics, but he was totally put off by what he'd seen. So he began to form the view that he was better off becoming a philosopher and a teacher in the hope that he could create the leaders of tomorrow. That sounds like a good catchline for a public school, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Creating the leaders of tomorrow. A, a republic school. Yeah, hey! A joke that doesn't work if you're in America. (laughs) Yeah. Because in Britain, for some odd reason, private schools are called public schools. It is is very odd, isn't it? Yes. So, yes, so so Plato wanted to, to create these educated, enlightened leaders. In fact, the philosopher king is Plato's ideal form of government. He tried to educate Dionysus II in Syracuse, but this failed. Dionysus was probably too old. Another chap, Dion, ended up overthrowing Dionysius, and Plato witnessed this um, because he'd been invited by Dion to educate Dionysius. So anyway, to summarise, Plato had witnessed a lot of political upheaval. He was a student of the great Socrates. He was smart and he became a philosopher. And what he he liked was to philosophise about politics, you know. He philosophised about philosophy and philosophised about philosophers. And lots of other stuff, things like forums. He liked his forums, did Plato, his theory of forums. Oh, P45, tax returns, (laughs) lovely. I like ordering my forums, I do. So Plato decided a career in bureaucracy was for him, and he joined (laughs) the civil service. I became a chartered accountant. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right, I've talked enough around the topic. Let's see what Plato has to say about the tyrant uh, slash despot. And it fits in with the topic of failed despots because Plato doesn't think a despot can succeed. He thinks all despots are doomed to fail. The Republic is presented as a dialogue, by the way, as is most of Plato's work, I think. So it's a number of characters, including Socrates, chatting about stuff like who's going to do the washing up and whose turn is it to empty the bins and... Whose head is the heaviest? Who left that massive curler in the toilet? <laughs> <laughs> Can you remember at university when we when we decided to see who was most intelligent by weighing our heads? <laughs> no, I don't think I was involved in that. Well, not that might have been before you joined our house. Yeah, we got a set of scales and just lay on the ground. See who and was tell smartest. me, Tom, who was the smart? Who was the smartest of the people who weighed their heads? <laughs> the smartest was the one that filled their ears full of baked beans. <laughs> Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be the Odd. heaviest thing in the house. Tin of baked beans. Can't, can't believe I missed these halcyon years. <laughs> anyway, here's a quote from Plato An excessive desire for liberty at the expense of everything else is what undermines democracy and leads to demand for tyranny. Carrying hmm. on. Democratic society, in its thirst for liberty, may fall under the influence of bad leaders who intoxicate it with excessive quantities of the neat spirit. And then, unless the authorities are very mild and give it a lot of liberty, it will curse them for oligarchs and punish them. Ooh. I should be allowed to shit in your biscuits if I like. It's a free country. I should be allowed to play football for Manchester United, even though I'm shit at football. It's a free country. I'm allowed to identify as a hedgehog and insist that you use the personal pronouns that I've made up. I, uh, I becomes poo. My becomes arse. He, she becomes Ming the Merciless. Him, her becomes torturously titillating tarantula testicles. Sounds frightfully like a comment of a Daily Mail section. <laughs> <laughs> 
I demand I that you respect that my nonsense pronouns <laughs> that I've made up for myself to prove that other people's perfectly legitimate pronouns are nonsense. I think females are, uh, females are saying it a lot. They're saying I'd rather be known as they because they don't want to be... Yes. Uh, ...be the victims of prejudice as a result of being female. Anyway, that's boring. Um... Here's another quote. The teacher fears and panders to his pupils, who in turn despise their teachers and attendants. And the young as a whole imitate their elders, argue with them and set themselves up against them, while the elders try to avoid the reputation of being disagreeable or strict by aping the young and mixing with them on terms of easy good fellowship. I agree, Plato. Hierarchy. You need respect for elders. That's what you need. <laughs> respect for elders. Is this starting to sound even more like Daily Mail? Comment section. Getting there, yes. <laughs> In truth, you really just need right. Just say it's political correctness gone mad. <laughs> I, I I think blind obedience to anyone is terrible, but I do find it annoying. For example, when people with very little experience in an area talk like gobshites and try to dismiss the opinions of people who have decades of experience and lots of qualifications. Um, and I think that's quite common on things like social media. I've seen it heaps on Instagram. Yes, where just someone's twenty three and has got ten thousand followers and think they know more than someone who's done a shed shed load more in their life than that person anyway another quote the extreme popular liberty is reached in this kind of society when slaves male and female have the same liberty as their owners not to mention the complete equality and liberty in the relations between the sexes fuck me political correctness gone mad Tom that is political correctness gone mad isn't it I think Plato is notoriously sexist wasn't he Um, Well, not at the time, obviously. (laughs) The next bit is Trump through and through. What follows in a democracy is populism, where certain leaders appeal to the masses, this is obviously in the opinion of Plato, stirring up antipathy towards other leaders, telling the masses that these leaders are trying to create an oligarchy, or more specifically, take power away from the masses. The mob then revolts. Who does the mob turn to when the revolution has taken place? The man who stirred it all up in the first place. Yes. (laughs) Luckily... I feel that democracy in the USA is a bit too... Oh, that's, I'm going to skip that bit. That's too, that's too topical. Okay. Um, another quote. The mob will do anything he tells them, and the temptation to shed a brother's blood is too strong. He brings the usual unjust charges against him, takes him to court and murders him, thus destroying a human life and getting an unholy taste of the blood of his fellows. Exiles, executions, hints of cancellations of debts and redistribution of land follows till the instigator is inevitably and fatally bound either to be destroyed by his enemies or to change from man to wolf and make himself tyrant. Oof. Sounds a little bit like a sort of... I'm not sure I quite understood that. Um, he's, he's basically saying that the, the tyrant gets driven on by the mob. The mob kind of turn to the tyrant and say, you, you take control of this shambles. Mate. What's going on here? You take control. Mate. Oh, I see. Someone needs to, someone someone needs to take to... control. We need strong leadership. Oh, strong leadership, and, yes. And then, and then the tyrant rules with an iron fist. Thinks, oh, this is quite nice. Nobody's holding me accountable for this. And then starts... Oh, lovely. Yeah. Carry on. Okay, I can get away with this. And then they carry on. They get a taste for it. Um, and that's when you get the purges. That's when you get people being urged and you get the unpleasant treatment of anyone who's a threat to the to the tyrant i like a purging (laughs) (laughs) killed for the very first time i I like like a purging i like strong leadership Uh, then follows is the notorious gambit which all tyrants produce at this stage in their career the demand for a personal bodyguard to preserve their champion for the people that's the next stage according to Plato he will in the first place continue to stir up war in order that people may continue to need a leader I think that's fairly well established isn't it with, with yes 
uh, with uh, dictators. War also allows the tyrant to run down the economy, according to Plato, and make people so poor that they cannot be bothered with political action. What comes next is the purge of internal enemies, the reverse of a purge in the medical sense, according to Plato, for the doctor removes the poison and leaves the healthy elements in the body, while the tyrant does the opposite. Uh, sorry, this is quite, this is quite heavy, isn't it? <laughs> That's interesting, though. <laughs> Eventually, the masses who put the tyrant in power become restless and see the tyrant for who he really is. That is when the tyrant turns on them, persecuting them. There you have it, and it comes full circle. That's when you need another revolution. So the tyrant ends up turning on the people that put him there in the first place. And so yes. ends Plato's um, chapters on the tyrant. And I have also written in my notes here, I'm currently eating a bourbon, drinking lemon and ginger tea, reading Plato. Life is good. I think I wrote that last <laughs> night when I was eating a bourbon, drinking lemon and ginger tea, reading Plato. And life, Tom, is all right. That's not bad. I've also got a very nice IPA that I finished. You know, I've got have this you? collection of really weird beers that I'm working through. That was actually yeah, one of the nicest ones so left? far. I've got two left. I don't drink that much. One of them was a stout that was an orange... It was something like an orange marmalade ginger chocolate flavoured stout. That sounds awful. Which I thought was a bit too much for me. That sounds dreadful. <sighs> so there you have it. Plato's Republic. Not massively hilarious, but <laughs> educational. <laughs> Maybe I might go back to doing Farting Frenchman. <laughs> Next week. Yes, it's been a bit of a flip side this week, hasn't it? <laughs> Actually, mate, you can go for it. I mean, the, 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 tell a joke about how the Macedonians were ginger and Donald Trump has oddly coloured hair. I mean... <laughs> possibly, possibly. I mean, where, can did, we go, where can we go with this? You did get a bit of Madonna out of there. I'm sure maybe we could think up some more Madonna songs that would fit in with Athenian democracy. That's a sentence that nobody's ever <laughs> come out with before. It's, it's the segue we never thought we needed. <laughs> <laughs> and yet here we are uh, let's have a look shall we you've already, uh, you've already done like a virgin haven't you I've done we've had like a virgin yeah. bitch I'm a tyrant um, I don't really know many Madonna songs Papa don't preach you could do something with that Plato don't preach you're a boring bastard <laughs> <laughs> don't cry for me Athens <laughs> Uh, when you call my name, it's like a little prayer. I'm trying to think of something that we could... Uh, it turns out Athenian democracy isn't a very rich mine... Of comedy gold. <laughs> Who could have predicted this? When you call my name, it's like a little... Uh, uh, oh, sorry, your your signal appears to be bad. <laughs> you trying to, to ask me to finish this for you? <laughs> Should we, should, we, should we give up? <laughs> I say, should we? I mean, can we? Can we? Please. Please, can we give up? Yeah, all right. Oh, well done, Tom. <laughs> Thank you. That was very interesting, if not hugely hilarious. But hey, history... Sorry, comedy is half of what we do. The other half is history. <laughs> should we think of a topic for next week? Uh, now, uh, audience feedback. How, how about we do a bit of that? We've had a message from one of our patrons and we can do that in a public episode can't we we can do that in a public episode that's from the lovely Ryan from Wales go um, on who uh, what did he say I absolutely love this podcast um, we would hope so if you're a patron otherwise you're just really bad at managing your finances hey being a bit of a history nerd <laughs> hey now the, the content is right up my alley and the humour fits perfectly for me so I just wanted to share my support with this little message thank you Ryan I really appreciate that no, that's very sweet that is very sweet thank you Ryan and he's got some nice um, suggestions as well coup Attempts, oh. failed attempts at a coup, inventions attributed to the wrong people. Oh. Which could be good, but we've, we've done a few inventions-related yeah, yeah. topics. 
and Welsh Week. Welsh Week's interesting, yeah. I think that could be a good one. I would be happy to do Welsh Week. I think the closest we've ever got to Wales is you did. What was the French invasion? Oh yes, I did the Battle of uh... Pembrokeshire, isn't it? Because my my sister knew that story because she lives in Pembrokeshire. Uh, Battle of Fishguard. That's the one. Yeah, my sister lives very close to Fishguard. Ah, and um, yeah, lovely. she knew that story, so it's obviously quite a famous one to the locals. Yeah. Um, so we've had those suggestions. And what else did we get? We, we had a comment on Podbean. Someone's saying, waiting to see the YouTube video of Viagra in the water. That's pr- probably not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't does, think there is a YouTube I'm video. I did, we did mention it, actually. We did mention, to be fair, there was a YouTube, there was a video. Uh, there, there isn't. <laughs> I, think I, just, I think I just recorded it. Um, so, yes, that's the feedback that I've discovered. There we go. Well, thank you, audience. That's lovely. Should we think of a topic for our next patrons episode? Uh, what would you like to do then? Should we do one of Ryan's? Should we do Wales next week? Let's do Wales. Let's do Wales. Wales for the patrons. Yeah. And what should we do for the next public episode? Coups. How about we do two of Ryan's? Because I think that's all we've got parked up at the moment, isn't it? Uh, we could do coups for the next one. Yeah, that sounds good. Lovely. Oh, thank you for your suggestions, Ryan. You you email us at the right time. We've probably had more suggestions. But we forget. We do. We do. I really should keep a record of them. But, (laughs) but thank you, Ryan. Well, good for you. You get two. You get two now. That's what happens when you send us a nice message at the right time. (laughs) Perfect. So we've got Wales next week, and then Coos the week after. Well, if you would like to be involved and be able to hear that Patreon exclusive episode all about the Welsh or Wales, then you can join the Order of the Bathroom. Patreon.com/slash. That was genius. Where for three, four, or five pounds a month whatever the equivalent is in your currency uh, you can get access to all our patron exclusive episodes which there are quite a few of now as well as tom's doodles three songs uh very odd rude songs about poop and <laughs> and some print your own medals so you can uh you know show them to your print your own friends <laughs> <laughs> well as we're all just communicating over you know on screens at the moment you could pin one of those to your chest and it would look like a real medal. It would, yeah. Nobody would notice that it's only two-dimensional. Yeah. Unless you printed, like, 50 of them and stuck them all together to make a three-dimensional one. It's a really good idea. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> or print it Do on that, really audience. thick paper. Well, you could just print it on really thick paper. Uh, anyway, thank you so much, audience, for tuning in. Uh, don't forget to join our Facebook group. That was Genius, a funny history podcast group on Facebook. Share your memes. And uh, we will see you next week. Say goodbye, Tom. Bye-bye. Bye.